You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. I want to welcome everybody here to the happiest place on earth, the feast. How many of you are blessed that you're here? Raise your hand. Thank you so much for being here. We want to greet everybody who is joining us online. Thank you so much for clicking on that button and staying here with us. We want to say a special greeting also to the parents who are there in the children's room all the way in the D-Reg. Thank you so much for participating and for taking your care of your children at the same time. But I also want to say hi to all those people on the second floor. Kawai kawai po kayo dyan. Hello. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much. I hope that the audio can reach you wherever you are today because we're gonna we're gonna have so much wisdom pour out in this place. I hope that you came hungry and ready for that. But I want to ask you this question first. How many of you here feel like you're a little bit tired? You're a, you need a little bit of rest. Come on, just raise your hand if that's you. You feel like this week has been very busy. Yeah, I want to honor you for still being here and for putting God first. Can you clap your hands for the person beside you who is here in spite of being tired? But you know, I also want to honor this person. I want to call out one person here today. He's somebody who I know has been tired. His week has been very, very busy. And I know for a fact that he wasn't even supposed to be here because he arrived at 2 a.m. this morning. But because he loved God, he loves God so much, he's here. If only to say hi to all of you. And I'm sure that you're you'd want to see him. I don't know where he is, but I'd like to call him out right now. Please welcome everybody. There he is. <laughs> brother Bo Sanchez. Come on out, brother. So he can say hi to everybody here. I was looking for something wearing white. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I I have zero energy. Uh, <laughs> There's like this, uh, it's like where my brain is. It's somewhere here. <laughs> but, I, but I really wanted to be here. Um, I, I told Audi, I, I was supposed to you know, give a little intro to the talk, but I, but I, but I can't. Um, I, I, knew, I knew what was going to happen. I, my flight was delayed from Davao. And so don't have the energy. Uh, but I still wanted to be here. And I'm, I, I wanted to be here for a few reasons. Number one, you are my home. You are my family. And, you know, when you're tired, when you're exhausted, you want to be with family. And, and you're my spiritual family. So that's number one. Number one. Second reason is this. I need God. I need God's word. So I told Audi... You know, I'm going to be there in front and I'm going to listen to the Word of God because I need God's Word. I, I, I need to worship Him. And so that was a beautiful worship, right? Yes. Amazing worship and, and beautiful Mass. And so, uh, third reason. I'm preaching already. I said I'm not going to preach. <laughs> third reason is I want to be in a place of miracles. So many miracles have happened in the feast. Over the past 40, 43 years, 
43 years of miracles and I always want to be in a place of miracles. Last, when, it's, when you're supposed to do the right thing and it's difficult to do, it's more fulfilling because it shapes you and creates, creates good stuff in you. Um, in Tagalog, pag mas mahirap, mas masarap. I guess you know, I, I, I've noticed that, you know, when, when, um, you know, the, the <laughs> when, when there's something I have to do, but let's say the feast, there was a few, a few Sundays back, ang lakas ng ulan, no? And, and I didn't have a role, I, I, I didn't have a role in the, in the feast. So, so, you know, I could, I could go late or, or something. Sarap matulog. And then I realized, Uy, umuulan. Uy, mas mahirap pupunta sa feast. Mas masarap pupunta sa feast. Nag-gets na yun? Do you have that mindset? I, I have that mindset. When, when it's more difficult to do the right thing, and you still do it, ang sarap ng feeling. Parang ang lakas mo. Parang... Parang ang galing mo. Nag-gets nyo yun? And, and that, that has always been my mindset. And in anything that I'm doing, you know, whatever I'm doing, whether it's work or, or ministry or, or relationships, if it's more difficult to do the right thing, excited ako. Um, so, there. Just wanted to encourage you. Um, Dava was beautiful. We had two seminars. I gave two seminars. I spoke to the feast leaders there. They're, they're doing an amazing work. And uh, all of them, the feast builders were saying, it's rebuilding time. Anywhere I go around the country, when I talk to feast builders, it's, it's rebuilding time because people, people f- have new habits now. They, they, they learned new habits at the pandemic not to go to the feast once a week, pwede na lang twice a month, you know, you know because, oh, kasi may, may ganito, may ganyan. They, they learned new habits. And so what we're calling all the feasters, and this is what I told the feast builders, you go to the feast, you go to each feast, feaster, and you speak to them and say, let's, let's do the hard stuff, guys. We need to rebuild our family. You're part of the rebuilding process. We need to do the hard stuff. Na pag umuulan, punta ka pa rin sa feast. Mag, mahirap mag-serve. Ang dami-daming complications, mag-serve ka pa rin. Ang hirap magbigay, magbigay ka pa rin. You need to rebuild this house. This is your house. And, and we're going to rebuild it. And more and more people will come. And can you just tell somebody beside you, rebuild this house with me. Tayo to. I, I need to stop preaching. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So that wraps up talk number four. Let's close with worship. <laughs> Everybody say, Thank you, Brother Bo. Thank you, Brother Bo. You inspire us so much with your humility. Anyway, lift up your hands, everybody. Let's all say our favorite prayer here at the feast. As we all say, today, I receive all of God's love for me.
Today I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today I open myself to God's work, healing and miracles. Today I open myself to God's work so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I'm God's servant, I'm God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody lift up your hands. Even if you're off online, stand up in honor and reverence to God's word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're going to take a page from the book of Deuteronomy, which we have been studying for a few weeks now. We are in talk four. And before I give you our big message, I want to do this first. We are in chapter 17, verse 18. It's going to be on screen. You can read it. It says here that Moses is talking to the Israelites and he's giving them instructions, giving them guidelines for a king that they would need. And he says, when he sits on the throne as king, Moses says he must copy for himself. Everybody say himself. This body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the, Le the Levitical priests. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily. Everybody say daily. daily. As long as he lives. That's going to be important in a moment. And then Moses says that way, he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. And this regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. I, I'm going to do this this way so that you, you don't have to stand for too long. I know that some of you are tired. And I just want to point out that one statement where it says, Moses says, when he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll. What was he referring to? The laws of God. And then he must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. Moses was trying to tell the Israelites something very simple. You want to know what he was saying? He was simply telling them that you need to be a Bible nerd. You need to know Scripture. You need to learn how to meditate on this day and night. Because one of the things that I'm learning, and Brother Bo kind of hinted it a little bit earlier, is that as you grow up in life, you're going to discover that God calls you to be a leader. And one of the things that God needs for you to be a leader is that as a leader, you need the Lord more than ever. Especially when you're a leader, you need the Lord. Raise your hand if you believe that you're a leader and that God calls you to lead. Guess what? You need the Lord in your life. You need Him to guide you. You need His Word to transform you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about leadership. I hope that you're excited for this. Let's pray. Bow down your heads. Be in the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you will speak in volumes today. And I pray that this will pierce the hearts of your people with pinpoint accuracy. If there is anything that will limit them from hearing your word, Father, I pray that you obliterate that and that you open their hearts today so that you can change them, you can inspire them, and you can love them. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. One more time, everybody. Let's sing to the Word of God. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Give the Lord a big hand. Come on. Love Him today. Thank you, Jesus. You can take your seats. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to give you our big message right now. And just a little favor. Can you preach this? Can you be the preacher to the person beside you? Just because I cannot reach everybody here. Can you just look for one person? Just one person. And then tell our big message right now. Great leaders, Great leaders. sacrifice greatly. Say it one more time. Great leaders sacrifice greatly. Amen. You believe that? If you want to be a great leader, you need to sacrifice greatly. You know, in life, there are people that we, we, we see who are natural-born leaders. Alam niyo yung term na yon, natural-born leaders. You see people and from afar, you don't even have to know them personally and, and they look like they fit the mold of a leader. You have any people like that in your life? Natural-born leaders? Can you turn to somebody beside you and just tell me if they look like they're a natural-born leader? Do they look like they're bossy? <laughs> yes, to the husbands. Natural-born leaders. But you know, the same is true. That if you have natural-born leaders, you also have natural-born followers. And I know that because I'm, I'm, I'm that person. Before I even preferred leading, Brother Bo knows this, the leaders know this, that I preferred serving. I preferred following. I'm the kind of person who, you tell me what you need to do, I'll go ahead and do it. Give me the marching orders. Give me the instructions and I'll do it. I'm a follower. But you know, I also believe this, that each one of us, God calls us to be a leader. You know, if you're young and you feel like God is not calling you yet, there will come a point in your life where God will call you to lead. And you don't have to lead like a big organization yet. Maybe it's leading a small group, a light group, your classmates, your, your section, or maybe you can upgrade that a little bit, but God calls you to be a leader. In fact, my good friend, Brother George Gabriel, if you still remember him, he shared this with me many, many times, long time ago, before he left for Australia. He says to me, before he passed on the feast, uh, duties as a leader to me, he says to me, you know, Odds, I love you too much to not let you experience leadership. And it sounded so deep, but I actually didn't understand it. But over time, as I grew into the mold of becoming a leader, I understood that perfectly now. That now, not just leading a feast, but it's being a better husband, being a better employer, being a better brother, being a good father. That's what leading is all about. But here's a question. How do you become a good leader? It starts with self-leadership. Can you say that word, self-leadership? Because if you're not a leader yet and you don't feel like you're a leader, at the very least, you need to be able to lead yourself. Right? Because I mean, did you know this, that you are the CEO of your life? You're the chief executive officer of your life. And the reason why some people, they, they, they have trouble in life is because they're trying to pass on that role to other people. You know, they, here's a newsflash. This job as the CEO of your life, it's a lifetime job. You cannot retire from that. 
You can't merely just outsource that job to somebody else. But here's the other thing. You're the CEO of your life, but you're also the COO. And you're not just the COO. You're also the CFO. That's why sometimes, you know, you realize that your schedule might be messed up and you're unhealthy because you're not exercising. Maybe it's because you're not performing your duties as the CEO. You're doing a poor job. Or maybe it's because your finances are all messed up and, and, and your investments are out of whack. Maybe it's because you're not doing the right job as the CFO because that's supposed to be your job. Leadership starts with self-leadership. And then as God grows you to become the leader that you are, then you become a leader to other people. And this is where it gets very tricky because we're going to talk about leadership. And Moses is going to share with us four different types of leaders of Israel. But let me talk to you about this first, okay? Leadership is all about having authority. Everybody say authority. authority. It's all about having power, authority. Who gets to be superior? But here's the thing. There are two ways to exercise your authority. How many? Two. two. Your authority can be rooted, number one, in your position. Who you are, your title in life. You know, if you're the boss of the company, then you are in authority. If you're the parent of your children, you're in authority. They have to obey you. That's the first one. The other type of authority, and this is where it gets a little bit deeper, this is my favorite, is that it's not rooted in a position. It's rooted in your love for people. In other words, it's rooted in your affection. There, that, that sounds better because it, it rhymes. Position and affection. And I know this. I'll give you an example. We have a five-year-old at home. His name is Ethan. And when Ethan was growing up, you know, because we were parents, he would obey us and we would teach him how to obey his parents, rightfully so. But I noticed this, that Ethan would only obey me when my voice would get a little bit louder, when I would get a little bit mad at him and angry at him. And fathers, can you raise your hand? If that's the way that you're disciplining your, your children, I'm the same. You know, when your kids are young, you want them to learn how to be disciplined, how to obey you. But I also realize this, that when he gets older, I don't want him to obey me and give authority over his life simply because I have a loud voice. No, I want him. And this is my prayer, that when he grows up, he will give the authority over his life to me simply because he knows that I love him. Amen? Because authority cannot be forced. You cannot coerce people, especially your children, to follow you. But here's the thing. When you know that that person loves you, you're going to follow that person, right? And that's how God is. The reason why we follow God is not so much because we're afraid of hell, but it's because we know that God loves us so much that He will give the best to you. Can I get an amen? amen. That's good authority because it's rooted in love. It's rooted in, in that affirmation that God simply loves you. But now we are in the journey of Deuteronomy. This is where we're going to get a little bit technical. And Moses is talking to the Israelites and he's telling them that, hey, Israel needs four kinds of leaders. And I'll tell you the leaders. But I believe that these are also leaders that we need in society today. They are judges, kings, priests, and prophets. Okay, four types of leaders. Now, I'll tell you, take note. In the olden days, it used to be that, you know, we all have this idea that kings are usually the ones who are in full authority. You know, they have higher power than the priests and the judges and, and, and the prophets. But in the beginning, 
God actually designed it this way that no person in Israel had authority over the others. In other words, they were all equal. Nobody was more powerful than the other. What is the lesson here? Ask me what? You must mahinapa. What? The lesson is simple. That no one is above the Lord. God rules everybody. So even if you are occupying the topmost seat in your company, even if you're the president or the emperor or the king of that little island of yours, guess what? God is still more powerful than you. You're still under God's authority. And that's good news to a lot of us, right? The first one that God says that Israel needs are judges. Everybody say judges. judges. He says to the Israelites, and this is the point where they're now scattering to the different parts of the promised land according to the 12 tribes of Judah. And Moses says this to the people. He says, I want you to appoint judges and officials for yourselves from each of your tribes. Everybody say that. From each of your tribes. From each of your tribes. In all the towns the Lord your God is giving you. They must judge the people fairly. Let me read that to you for a moment. Moses says, appoint judges and officials for yourselves from each. It's not explicitly said But the way I read this when I was studying this is that the instruction was you get a judge that's from your tribe. And you know, that's a practical principle because if you get from somebody who does not know your culture, does not know your behavior, does not know your stories, chances are they might not judge it fairly. And I learned this from our leader, Brother Alvin. He taught this to us that whenever it comes to making big decisions, the first thing you need to do if you're a leader is you need to look at both sides. Of the story. You need to look at this side and this side and then make the decision. Don't make a decision if you're only just seeing this one side. And that's a good way to live. You know, you decide based on knowing both stories. And that's what Moses is saying. If this person comes from the same tribe, chances are he would know the background of the people, right? And then it says here, they must judge the people fairly. Now question, how do you judge people fairly? How do I know if I'm going to judge these people with impartiality? And Moses says the answer in verse 19. He says, you must never twist or show partiality. Never twist or show partiality. Filipinos, this is something that I believe you can relate to. We have this ugly culture, a toxic culture that we call the Padrino system. How many of you know that? Raise your hand. Padrino system? You know that? That's like wherein you can gain promotion or gain favor, obtain favor by knowing the right people, having the right connection. You know, just because you know this person, you can get that job position. It's the Padrino system. This takes us all the way back to the Spanish colonial period because that's what happened. If you wanted the seat in government, what you need to do is you need to go to the Spanish official or a wealthy Filipino usually in the form of a friar, in order to be blessed with that position. But you know, the sad part about this is that this still happens today. I mean, we see this everywhere in organizations, in companies, in government. The reason why that sometimes you see leaders who are not really equipped for that job position, but the only reason why they got that appointment to begin with is not because they had the right skills, but because they had the right surname. You agree with me? Right? Because it's the Padrino system. But why should the judge be a good judge? Here's the lesson. Because a good judge must never play favorites. That's what Moses was saying. Never twist or practice partiality. Don't play 
favorites. A good judge is somebody who will treat the, a billionaire the same way he will treat a beggar. Regardless of if, if you can do something special for me, I'm not going to look into that. Just because you can do a favor for me, I'm going to treat you differently. No, a good judge doesn't twist partiality. Why? Because a good judge needs to mirror God's goodness. That's the role of a good judge. Parang hindi kayo naniniwala. A good judge needs to mirror God's goodness. Ask me why. How many of you believe that God is a good judge? Yeah? We need God to be a good judge. I mean, especially in our society today where there's so much injustice, the very least that we could have is that we know that doesn't it encourage you to know that God is a good judge? To know that all the injustices that you've gone through in your life, at the end, God will correct all of that. He is a fair judge. Indulge me for a moment. Can you just imagine if in heaven, they practice the Padrino system? Imagine, kung sa, sa langit, may palakasan. Pagdating mo dun, sa gate, nandun si St. Peter. Let's just imagine. Pagkita mo dun, Ninong! Diba? Ninong! Alala mo ko, yung inaanak mo. Baka naman pwedeng, ito na lang ang regalo mo. And then he lets you in just because of that. Thank God that there's no padrino system in, in heaven, right? In fact, Moses says this about the Lord. He describes most, uh, the Lord through this. He says, God is somebody who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. Say amen. amen. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. And he shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. Newsflash, you cannot bribe your way to heaven. You can't. can't negotiate this thing to heaven. There's mercy, but there's also justice. And God is good. And He will judge us according to His good ways because He's a good judge. But God also says this. Listen to this. He says, so you too. Touch your neighbor and say, you too. You too. Must show love to foreigners. Why? For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Wow! This changes our perspective. That the reason why you need to treat the CEO of a Fortune 500 company the same way that you treat a random beggar on the street is because we're all the same. We're all foreigners in this land. We were all just adopted and accepted because of the grace and mercy of the Lord. Thank God for that. Put your hands together for our good, 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 good God. That's the reason why you need to love every person because you're all the same. Touch your neighbor and say, we're one and the same. You and I, we're all the same. We're all foreigners in this land. But by the grace of God, He adopted us. He made us His own through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the first one. Judges. We need good judges. The second one is this. God says we need kings. Kings. And take note that during this time when Moses was, was deliberating this, there was no king in Israel. They had no king. But they wanted a king. Why? Because they were so envious and jealous of the other nations who had human kings. But what they did not know was they actually had a king. Who? God was their king. But see, here's the problem. When you want somebody else to rule your life more than God, that's why you get into trouble. Because God is supposed to be your king. You worship God and God alone. But they wanted a human king. And they kept on wanting a king from Samuel. You remember the time when we studied the, the life of Saul? They gave him the human king named Saul. And then Moses says this. Let's, before we go to Saul. Moses says, Be sure to select as king 
The man the Lord your God chooses. That's very important. The man the Lord your God chooses. So they wanted a king. And they demanded Samuel for a king. And so eventually God said, okay, look for this man named Saul. And eventually Saul becomes king. But we all know that Saul, he started strong, but he ended wrong. Why? Because he was such an insecure leader that when he became king, he brought that insecurity with him. Now, here is Saul. Okay? Saul, the first king of Israel. Saul is a representation of a king chosen by man. That's who he is. On the other hand, David, who comes after Saul, regarded as the greatest king of Israel, he is a man represented by, uh, according to a king that was chosen by God. Now, what is the lesson here? Listen to me. Here's the lesson. Be very, very careful to always pray and discern about the leaders that you choose. Why? Because when you select poorly, eventually we suffer greatly. Amen? So we need to be sure about the kings that we put into place. Now, how, how am I going to qualify if this person is going to be a good king or if this person that's leading us is a good leader? Moses gives us three qualifications. He says this, The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. And then second qualifier, he says, He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. And then the third one, he must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. What in the world do these three things mean? They symbolize something. The first one, he says, you must not acquire a great number of horses. That's number one. Did God have anything against having too many horses during that time? I want you to know this, that 3,000 years ago, horses were regarded as weapons. Because they didn't have guns. They didn't have the technology back then. So horses were their weapons. You want to know what their tanks were in the ancient times? It was horses connected to chariots. That's it. Those were their tanks. You want to know what their missiles were? It was soldiers riding on top of horses. Old school style, right? So God is simply saying, I don't want you to put all your trust on weapons. I want you to put it on me because I'm your greatest weapon. Did you know that God is your greatest weapon? God said no weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. Whatever weapons are against you, it will not succeed. Why? Because God is your greatest weapon. Shout amen. 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 Here's the second thing. God said that for his leaders to be a good king, he says he must not Take many wives. You know, I was wondering about this. And for some reason, I was asking Moses, did you even have to write that? Isn't that common sense? All the husbands, can you say amen? I mean, more than one wife is more than enough. Right? I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. But he's very specific. But he's very specific. This king should not take too many wives. I'll tell you the context, all right? Because back in the day, Women represented political alliance. Remember in the stories that you would watch or you would read how kings would make an arranged marriage with other kingdoms? Why? Because they wanted to expand their territory. So they would take their son and they would look for a beautiful princess somewhere and then they would talk with one another. Why? So that they can expand their kingdom. So God was simply saying, I don't want you to put your trust to, in all these women 
In other words, I don't want you to put all your trust in your political alliances. Instead, put it on me. Because if I am for you, who can be against you? That's your God. Nobody can come against you if He is part of your alliance. He's your greatest partner and ally. And then here's the third thing that God says in order for that to be a great leader. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. And we all know this. Why? Because sometimes when you have too much of everything, it becomes about what you need, no longer about what your people need. Sometimes when you get drowned in too much material and worldly stuff, what's happening is that you're only enriching yourself when you're supposed to be enriching the lives of other people. And so God says, I don't want you to have too much of weapons, of wives, or women. You can have one. <laughs> and I don't want you to have too much wealth. Take note, God is not saying that you cannot have. Okay? You can have weapons. You need to protect yourself. You can have one wife, one husband. You can have wealth. But God is simply saying this, a little too much? Uh-uh. Why? Here's the, here's the lesson. Because anything in excess, oftentimes, it becomes reckless. Right? A little bit of too much of this, it becomes reckless. So God is simply saying, just enough. In fact, you know, there's one person in the Bible that follows after this who failed in all three. Who was that? The son of David. Solomon. Solomon had, get this, check this out. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses in his kingdom. Too much? Absolutely. You know how many wives Solomon had? 700 wives and princesses. Not including the concubines. 300 concubines. Can you imagine having to keep track of all those anniversaries? I mean, the, the schedule alone. That's just crazy. And the gifts that he had to give. Thank God he was rich, right? But that even became a problem because he became so rich. But you know, Solomon was a man of God. He was somebody who knew Deuteronomy 17 and yet he failed. That speaks a lot for all of us. You know, there comes a point in your life where you might say, you know, this is not enough to corrupt me. I know this. I've handled this amount already. This is not enough to tempt me. And then you realize that your heart can deceive you at times. You know, true wisdom is not just here in your mind. It's in your heart. Solomon prayed for wisdom and yet he failed in all three. Why? Because his heart deceived him. Never underestimate the power of your heart to deceive you. To say, no, this is, I've handled this already. And then before you know it, you're wallowing in sin. So that's the lesson for today. Never have too much of something because then you'll start making that your God and God will be replaced in your life. Are we clear? All right. So here's the third one. Instead, so before I give you the third one, I forgot this point. This is so good. What Moses was trying to say to the people of Israel is that instead of having weapons, women or wives, and, and wep uh, what's the other one? Weapons, wealth. Instead of having all three, what you need to have is the word. You need to have the word of the Lord in your heart. In fact, he says that. Let me repeat that. He says, when he sits on the throne as king, or when you sit on your tables as the head of your family, as the head of your organization, as the head of your company, here's what you need to do. You must copy for yourself this body of instruction on a scroll, and then you must always keep this copy with you and read it as daily 
as long as you live. What is God trying to say? When it comes to studying His Scripture, when it comes to knowing His Word, you don't get to have your secretary do it for you. Uh uh-uh. You need to be the one as a scribe to write it down and to study it. Your assistant doesn't get to do this for you. When it comes to the Word of the Lord, you don't get to be a spectator. You don't spectate. You participate. You're the one who's doing this. Why? Because the greater your responsibilities in life, the greater your reliance is to the Word of God, to the truth, so that He can guide you. Amen? All right. So here's number three. The third leader that God needs in His kingdom are priests. How many of you are blessed that we have priests? Amen. But know this, that the Jewish priests, they were all Levites, the tribe from Levi. What happened is that they did act, actually they did not inherit any land. Remember that they were distributing the land to each of the tribes of Judah? The Levite priests had nothing. In fact, it says here, remember that the Levitical priests, that is the whole of the tribe of Levi, will receive no allotment of land among the other tribes of Israel. Instead, the priests and Levites will eat from the special gifts given to the Lord, for that is their share. Really? That's it? They will have no land of their own among the Israelites? Why? Because the Lord Himself is their special possession, just as He promised them. I love this part. And and maybe Father Bob is here, Father Albert. He said a beautiful sermon a while ago, didn't he? In an agrarian nation like Israel, land did not mean you know, a square meter in Valle Verde. That's not what it meant to them. It doesn't mean like a two-bedroom apartment in BGC. No, land to the Israelites during that time meant food. It meant survival. The more land you had, the more food you had. But because the priests did not have land, What did it mean? They had no source of food. So how were they going to survive? God was simply telling them, and teaching them a lesson that if everybody is going to survive, including the Levitical priests, you have to be in this whole thing together. You have to support each other. Are you getting what I'm saying? In other words, your neighbor, if you're part of the tribe, You need to give what's part of your land to them. You need to share what you have. And you know, a beautiful thing that Father Bob told told me many, many years ago. I I remember that during the pandemic, we were all isolated. I mean, you were in your homes, you were watching online, attending the feast, and we couldn't be together. And so we all felt like we still needed to continue the feast because we believe that the sheep needs a shepherd, right? We need guidance from the sheep, from the shepherd. But you know, Father Bob, he said this. And it shocked us to realize that, yes, the sheep need a shepherd. But aren't we forgetting that the shepherd also needs his sheep? In other words, what's my point? My point is that leaders depend also on their followers. They need their followers. That's why, you know, as a feast builder, I'll tell you this. I pray for a lot of people. People message me, people come over, and then they ask to be prayed over. But you know what my blessing is in life? That from time to time, people would be the one to actually ask what I'm praying for. People would approach me and say, Brother Ori, what do you, like earlier, Brother John Ben just launched into a prayer before I went on stage. I love moments like that where I don't have to pray for people and people pray for me because leaders need followers. Amen? 
That's why being a good priest, we support our priests. You know, we give them our, our prayers, but we also support them financially as well because they're relying on us because their special possession is the Lord himself. Amen? Now, here's the last one. We're going to wrap down in a moment. The last leader that the nation of Israel needs are prophets. Everybody say prophets. God said, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites and I will put words or my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command them. What is the difference between all of these leaders? You know, I believe that there's a certain purpose while prophets were placed as the last one. It's not an accident. In fact, they, they hold a very special, unique job among all the leaders. And I'll tell you this. With the three other leaders, the judges, the kings, the priests, when they all stray away from the Lord, guess who straightens them out and directs them back to the Lord? It's the prophets. That's the main job description of the prophet. To point the way back to the Lord. In fact, that's what Moses did. Moses was the first prophet. And then we have Joshua and Samuel and Nathan and Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel. You've got a lot. And Amos, Habakkuk, Micah, Malachi, and then eventually Elijah. And their job was when people would stray away from the Lord, they would point their finger again and say, this is the way to the Lord. Worship the Lord your God. That's why if you notice in the book of Deuteronomy, again and again, Moses would often say, obey as the Lord commanded. It was a reminder for the Israelites to follow the Lord once again. But here's my question. How come we don't have modern day prophets anymore? I mean, they're all in the Bible. Old Testament prophets. How come we don't have a modern day testament? Or a modern day prophet. Would you like to know the answer to that one? Yes. Ask me why. why. People there on the second floor, ask me why. Okay. <laughs> one more time, ask me why. It's because Jesus is supposed to be the greatest prophet that we follow. He's the prophet. Right? Everything that Jesus does, we obey. Everything that he says, we follow. He's the greatest prophet. I, I want to close this way. Can I ask everybody to stand up? Oh my goodness, I thought we were going to be on time. And we're over time. It's okay. Okay, let me shorten this this way. I've noticed that there are two stark differences between adults and children. And one of the ways that I, I, I can differentiate this is, you know, adults, or rather children, children will often do what they want to do. Right? If they want to do this, they're going to do this. And you have to convince them or coerce them sometimes to do the right thing, especially if they don't know that. But the difference between a child and an adult is this. Adults, especially if they're mature, because there are adults who are immature. Say amen. amen. Mature adults, you'll know them based on their willingness to do the least preference because of the greater good. Right? Good adults, mature adults at least. They'll do the right thing even if it's hard. That's what Brother Bo was saying. You do the right thing even if it's hard. And you know, for me, who embodies that? Jesus. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, He says to God the Father, He says, Father, if you are willing, let this cup pass from me. In other words, Lord, if there's another way to do this thing, can we just do that instead of this? But Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, 
but your will be done. In other words, he was surrendering to the Lord and what the Lord wanted. Not what Jesus wanted, but what God the Father wanted. I'll share with you one secret that has helped me countless of times. Whenever I would feel tired or lazy or just not in the mood to do anything. And this is a secret that you can take home today. Would you like to know the secret? Just a few words. And this, I say this to myself again and again and again. And this is something that I hear you, Brother Bo, say it again and again. Whatever, like for now, he's, he's tired. Could have spent a day at home, sleeping, taking that extra hour of sleep. Instead, he's here. You know why? I heard you say this once upon a time. He says, well, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. I love that. And I could say the same thing to the women. A woman's got to do what a woman's got to do. And you can use that for every area of your life. When you don't feel like you want to do it, when you don't feel like you want to parent your child right now because you're tired, well, a parent's got to do what a parent's got to do. If you don't feel like working tomorrow because it's a holiday, well, guess what? A worker's got to do what a worker's got to do. If you want to be a friend to that person because they're so toxic and they're so draining, well, guess what? A good friend's got to do what a good friend's got to do. In other words, Jesus was saying, I don't want to do this. If it's my way, I'm not going to do this. But guess what? A Savior's got to do what a Savior's got to do. Not my will. Not your will. But because it's God's will. In other words, if you're going to become the leader that God calls you to be, sometimes you need to lose in order to win. Sometimes you need to get tired. You need to get burdened. You need to get anxious because that's the way to salvation. Amen. Embrace your crosses every day, my friends. Embrace it and carry it with love because that's what it entails to follow Jesus. Are you ready to follow Jesus today? Raise your hand, everybody, all across this place. Father, you are so good. And right now, we just open our eyes and open our lives and open our hearts to the goodness that is all around us. All these baggages and tiredness and anxieties and stresses that we carry, Father, we embrace this wholeheartedly because we believe that you walk with us. Though we have plans, though we have wants, though we have dreams, at the end of the day, we simply surrender all of it to you. Because we believe that your purpose will always prevail. And we want your will over our life, over our families, over our organizations, over our companies, but above all, over ourselves, our life. Lead us, O oh God. We are fully surrendered to you. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.